back in the fur shed. I am your host, Jeremiah Wood, and this is the Trapping Today podcast. Physically tired, mentally wide convention, and I just returned from Neil Olson's 43rd New England Trappers Weekend. What a great time. But before we get into that, let's thank our sponsors, Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z, B-R-O-S.com. Kyle and Kellen Cots out of Savannah, Illinois, have everything you need to get started trapping. They got uh, traps, lures, baits, uh, cable stakes, basically anything to get you going, um, wax, dye, uh, urines, uh, you name it, they've got it. So go to cotsbros.com. Uh, great supporters of the podcast. They've been with us um, for a long time, and uh, a lot of people have had great success. Really fast shipping, excellent prices. They got rewards program. Uh, just uh, awesome guys to do business with. So thanks, Cots Bros. Also, Fur Harvesters Auction Company, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is an auction house in Ontario, Canada. That's run by trappers for trappers and uh, they hold international fur auctions to help you get the most money out of your fur the guys are trappers they know uh, all the work that goes into preparing quality pelts and they work hard to make sure that that work is not in vain so check them out at furharvesters.com and you can find past auction results uh, future auction dates and where to send your fur, whether you get a mail it somewhere or uh, oftentimes there's going to be someone right close by to you that is going to either be a place you can you can go and drop your fur off or they'll have pickup routes during the season where you can meet, uh, meet them in a, a parking lot somewhere or at a business, place of business, and you can drop your fur off and get it shipped for very, very reasonable cost and, uh, and get that fur sold. So thanks Cots Bros and Fur Harvesters. Now this was one heck of a weekend. I got home late last night and uh, just spent the pretty much the entire day today hauling hay for my beef cows uh, to get them through the winter. So so I had to get back a little early. So I left I left the convention uh, kind of a day half a day early, I guess you could say. Um, but man, it was uh, it was one heck of a good time. Um, but but still trying to get caught up. Uh, answer all the emails uh, from people, ship out some lure, and uh, go through a bunch of things that that I need to catch up on. Um, But I want to talk about this Trapper's Weekend because it was one heck of a time and and it was almost a little bit overwhelming. So uh, again, this this happens in Bethel, Maine every year. Uh, Trappers from all over the Northeast and beyond show up and it's always a good time. But this year for me was different because, you know, Cole and I have gone uh, for the last three years to to uh, to Neil's and uh, we always have a good time and we we go around, we talk to people, we buy supplies, we go to all the demos, learn a lot, meet new people and talk trapping. But this year, uh, last year when we got when we were there, I just started the podcast a few months prior and uh, didn't have a whole heck of a lot of traction doing it, and uh, it kind of flew under the radar, and I didn't really say anything about it. And I, I, I really don't say anything about it in general. This year was was unbelievable. Uh, must have been about 20 or 30 of you guys yourselves uh, told me that you listened to the podcast and wanted to thank me for for doing the podcast and keep doing the podcast and everything else. And 
And that was just a that was extremely humbling and it was also very overwhelming <laughs> and and very enjoyable. So thank you so much for for coming up to me and and talking. It really is incredible. It it's an eye opener as far as how many people are actually listening and how many main trappers are listening in. So I I do appreciate that and the great thing is I get to put a bunch of faces to the listeners and and discuss some things more with you guys and and a few of you were able to to, uh, give me ideas on on what you've got going on, what your challenges are and, and the things that you enjoy about the podcast. So that was great. And if if you can, if you'd like to, it would be great if you could just shoot me a little email just saying, hey, I was so-and-so who uh, introduced myself and this is what I was talking about and so on, just so I can connect a name because I, I forgot just about every name already. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I just can't keep that many names in my head. Uh, but but it's just thinking about it. There's uh, Greg. I remember uh, Greg is the guy that sent us a bunch of photos of his fur shed, and he was there with his daughter, and uh, and his buddy who makes uh, custom knives had a booth. He had, uh, the knife guy had a booth there. Um, that was great to talk to Greg. Finally, get to meet him. Um, that that was really good. There was uh, a younger guy who uh, does a bunch of muskrat trapping with colony traps. I uh, don't remember your name. Talking about running a big coyote line this fall. So you that was a lot of fun to talk to. I think we talked about the the sweet lure too, and you had some ideas on that. A guy from up this way who who grew up not far from me at all, and uh, is now down in the central Maine area, and I believe has a, a beverage distributorship. Really awesome story. Um, guy, just one year when he was younger, just randomly went out to Montana to trap. Went up in Jim Halseth country. I think he said he picked up 107 coyotes that that one year. And I, I don't believe he'd been back to trap there since. Uh, but we till we talked about trapping a lot, and and uh, and that was a lot of fun. Um, there was a guy that has a camp up up my way, not too far. Uh, I think he described where his camp was pretty well, and talked about uh, some Martin Fisher trapping. Uh, there was a younger guy from that works down in Southern Maine that works at Bath Iron Works and uh, loves the podcast and was getting into some coyote trapping too. So it was great to uh, to hear from from him and talk to him. I think we lost a lot of sleep talking talking trapping late into the night. Uh, Fawn Stickney finally uh, Fawn's been commenting on the uh, podcast stuff and on on website for a long time and it was great to finally meet meet you Fawn. Uh, guy uh mr yates a trapper that uh, is one heck of an accomplished trapper and i've heard about him and heard the stories but i never uh, got to meet him and and uh i was there uh talking to uh, another guy and and uh, he introduced himself and he's an older gentleman and he still listens to the podcast so that's awesome it was a, a whole wide variety of age demographics from you know guys in their uh, teens and early 20s all the way up to 70s so m- mostly younger people um, but it was great uh, EB surveyor ran into him uh, he he come down from from my neck of the woods I think just for the day uh, to, to go around and check some things out so that was good um, in general I would say uh, the it the listenership of the podcast is extremely enthusiastic about trapping and excited. 
Um, and, and that was the coolest part about it was, was how, how upbeat and exciting, excited everybody was. Cause a lot of times it, a lot of old timers, it's not necessarily old timer thing, but, uh, there's a lot of people that have been around for a long time and, uh, aren't necessarily doing a lot of trying to, you know, maybe trying new things and, you know, they're kind of settled in the way, the way they're doing things. And, and unfortunately we're forced into a lot of changes, uh, as trappers in, in the Northeast, especially in Maine with all of the different regulations. And it's tough to be positive sometimes. And there's a lot of negativity, um, <laughs> among a number of people there. Uh, and, and, and can't say that I blame them, but it, it was awfully refreshing. Everybody, you know, a lot of people were complaining that uh, there's no, uh, you know, there's no young people here. There's a, where's all the young people? There used to be young people. Well, no, there aren't as many young people, um, but there are people out there. I actually, uh, I was, I was going, I was getting something to drink at the, the concession stand, and there was a guy there that was, was. Uh, had bought a bunch of waters and he was piling them onto his arms and he, he had like 10 or 12 waters and, and I was like, I, I, let me help you carry those. So I grabbed a few of those and he was taking them upstairs, he said, up above Neil's uh, garage. And uh, we went up there and we get up there in this little room and there was a whole pile of kids that were taking a trapper education course that those guys were teaching. So there, I don't, I didn't really spend much time in there, but there had to be at least 15, 20 kids that were taking the course, you know, that's a younger generation that's interested in trapping. And, uh, there were guys, there were guys that were in their fifties that come up and talk to me about the podcast. And, you know, they may be in their fifties, but these guys are young at heart and enthusiastic and getting ready. Some of them getting ready to retire and going to have a whole lot of time in, in really good physical shape and ready to go spend some real time trapping. So I am, I'm very optimistic myself. So let's talk about the, some of the highlights, the people that were there at, at the convention. I, I'm sure I'll forget some people uh, uh, and I will, I'll fail to mention certain things just because my mind has about a thousand different things going on and at the same time and I'm trying to remember uh, what who was there and what I experienced but um, anyway I'm gonna go over some highlights first I want to I want to go over some the the sad part of of uh, the the weekend there was no Epler fur company so I actually had found out about this beforehand because I called John Epler um, he's down in Pennsylvania and he's been up there every year that I've been there and I wanted to order some traps ahead of time, make sure you'd have them for the convention. So I called him up and and uh, started asking him to get me a dozen MB550s. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm not going this year. Um, and that was a shock to me. But, you know, he like he said, he's getting older. Him and his wife are, are looking to retire from the business. Things are slowing down, and they're slowing down, and so it's a lot of work to bring all their stuff up from Pennsylvania to Maine, set up the booth, and him and his wife run the booth themselves the whole weekend. It's a long weekend. It's a lot of work, so they're looking to wind down, sell off inventory, maybe sell the business, um, but that was sad not to see John Epler there. Uh, the other thing, uh, Bill Caston was not there, and that was sad. He's uh, He's been there for a long time. Uh, Bill sells trapping supplies. He and and used traps. Um, Bill has uh, has cancer now, and and uh, 
think he's struggling with that. I don't know much about what's gone on lately, but he was not uh, well enough to, to be there. Um, Trapper Don was gone. I I usually see Trapper Don, and he's he's pretty vocal and fun to talk to. He's usually set up over by the Wildlife Control Supplies booth, and he wasn't there, so that was unfortunate. Not sure what what happened there, but so generally, you know, there's there's people that are getting older, people that are slowing down, and and naturally you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have things change. And this year the convention was a little light on trapping supplies, and you know there weren't as probably weren't quite as many used traps as we usually see and there certainly weren't a lot as many uh, new trapping supplies and and uh, I was running around looking for a few things I I thought I'd be able to pick up quite easily and and not everything was in stock um, for that reason um, but overall it was great now now we talked about some of the low lights let's talk about the highlights uh, my friend Eric Martin was there. He's always there, and, and it was great to talk to Eric and catch up again. He has been listening to the podcast, even though he's an older gentleman. He is uh, He's all about uh, talking trapping all the time. Um, we talked a lot about uh, history, trapping history. We talked about trapping in Alaska and some of the old timers and all that stuff. Man, that we got just carried away talking about all that stuff, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, actually, on Friday morning, uh, we snuck into Neil's back fur shed, and I interviewed Eric. So uh, we we did an interview that's going to be on a future episode of the Trapping Today podcast, and I'm excited about that. We talked about a bunch of things about how he got started trapping, and uh, just his progression as a trapper, taking instruction from Craig O'Gorman going out west and trapping uh, bobcats and and uh, and trapping back in Maine. So that was fun. Uh, J.P. Wilson, another interview we got to do. J.P. Uh, is a younger trapper. He's in his mid-20s, and uh, he is an extremely accomplished trapper for his age. Uh, J.P. also uh, made lures for quite a long time. He, he recently stopped making lures, um, but he still traps uh, very heavily. He's from uh, New York State, and he traps quite a bit there, and he also goes to uh, New Mexico to trap every winter. Once things, once the snow comes to New York, he's usually going to New Mexico. So we sat down with JP uh, one evening, and and uh, geez, we talked forever. I think we talked uh, until just about the batteries died on my recorder. <laughs> JP and Cole and I sitting on our camp chairs and kind of just watching things get dark and. Uh, hopefully there there was a lot of background noise there a bunch of kids playing around and stuff but hopefully uh, that comes out if the audio comes out good that'll probably be a couple of different episodes just uh, back and forth talking trapping with JP um, one of the things that I, I was a little disappointed in was I I just there just wasn't enough time and opportunity to squeeze in more interviews with people because I, I only got those two um, I have a hit list of people that I, I want to be interviewing uh, in the future and hopefully uh, either next year or sooner and and a bunch of these guys that I'm going to talk about uh, coming up are on my hit list uh, if I can catch catch them and if they're willing to to do an interview uh, Mr. Yates you are one of them um, but I'll get into that in a little bit um, Red O'Hearn is at the top of the list the hit list uh, I I really enjoy talking with Red and listening to Red he, I don't think he knows who I am but he knows he yeah, I I'm I wise mouth enough at the demos um, and give him a little bit of a hard time and and uh, joked around a little bit. So uh, anyway, hopefully next year he'll be back. I, 
Red was, I think last year was his first time at Neal's, and he came all the way over from Iowa. So a heck of a long drive, um, and I really didn't know if he was going to come back. Uh, last year, he, you know, I talked to him at his booth, and I said, you coming back next year? So well, I don't know. It's a it's an awful long ways to go, but um, uh, he ended up coming back. I think he combined it with uh, with a, with a convention, maybe a New York State convention or something, and and uh, and he was able to make the trip. So that was great. Uh, he he was a walking billboard one day. <laughs> he had a big, I think it was like a a neon green or orange shirt with big letter writing on it that said ask me about my new book on front and back sides of his shirt <laughs> i got a few pictures of that and i uh, read red just finished a, a beaver trapping book so i picked that up i'll be reading that look forward to it uh, most of the sets I, I looked at in the pictures were probably not legal in maine but but still worth worth picking up red is uh, one of the top trappers in the country and he has been for a very long time. Uh, coon and mink, um, and beaver and, and otter, uh, a pile of different critters. And, and he's been doing it for a very long time. He's a very unique personality. I, I actually I really enjoy listening to him talk. He's just so open about everything. Uh, very self-aware and not afraid to make fun of himself and tells really good stories. <laughs> so uh, I will. I will do try to corner you for an interview, Red, if you're there at Neil's next year. I, I would look forward to that. Um, one other thing I picked up uh, from Red was uh, honey. I, I got some honey. He, he has bees, and he sells honey, and, and I got some last year. Great stuff. I picked up another bottle of that this year, and I also tried his bee pollen. Cole came back to, the, to his vehicle there one day uh and was holding shaking out this this uh bottle this plastic bottle with a bunch of little like little bb sized yellow pellets in it I was like what the heck is that and he said man this stuff is bee pollen and red says it gives them all kind of energy um, i think i i think red uh, said something about about eating that stuff when he was on uh clint locklear's podcast he did an interview and uh, he was talking about you know how it gives them a lot of energy and uh, so so i said what the heck i'm gonna try it and i i I think I, I just happened to pull it out of my pack basket. It was still in my pack basket from when I was getting stuff ready for my demo, and I pulled it out in the middle of my demo and said, "This is one of my biggest secrets: is Red's <laughs> Red's bee pollen." Uh, so that was a little bit funny. I don't know if anybody laughed, but I did. Um, Neil, of course, um, can't mention all the notables without mentioning Neil Olson, and. Neil was, he kind of had a thing going on with his voice this year that he couldn't talk very, very effectively. So uh, it was kind of tough sometimes for him to carry on much of conversation, but he was still in the mix in the middle of things. Neil has a new book out this year, 2019, called My Lifestyle is My Pay. And it was sold out for various points, various booths, various times of the weekend. Uh, there, there may have been a, a few copies left here floating around. I don't know how many he printed, but I'm guessing he's going to have to print a few more. Cole and I both came home with a copy of the book, and it's basically uh, trapping stories from throughout Neil's trapping career. Uh, another one to look forward to reading. There was a gentleman that drove all the way from Tennessee to come to, to, to Maine to Neil's Trappers Weekend. The new president of the National Trappers Association, John Daniels. And I tried to, to uh, corner John and, and 
shake his hand and I never did get a chance to catch up with him. You know how it is? It's funny. There's so many things going on. And then like there were times where I'd go from my vehicle and try to get to the to the tent to watch a demo and it'd be about half an hour before I get there just people stopping you and wanting to talk and and uh, running into people you haven't seen and uh, one thing leads to another and you can't sometimes you just can't get around to everything uh, but oh yeah I just, I, gotta, I just remembered something I'm not going to want to forget to tell you guys so I'm writing that down but anyway John Daniels uh, gave just a really quick introduction to himself and, and he sat around and Listen to a few of the demos and and uh, John. If you're not familiar, he was newly elected president of the NTA, and I just it I, I was incredibly impressed with him, um, but just the way he has conducted himself and the the dedication that he has to to trapping and to trappers. So it was it was you know with great sense of uh, enthusiasm that. Uh, Cole and I went and, and updated our NTA membership. We actually talked with Mrs. Daniels, who uh, John's wife, who was there at the NTA booth, and uh, had she, very, very, very nice uh, woman, um, and very enjoyable to talk with. And and uh, she was real excited uh, about the the weekend and and how many people were there. She, um, she said it was, you know, it was a really impressive turnout, um, and it was great to have them there. And uh, and just just uh, wanted to express my gratitude to to John Daniels and his wife for making the trip all the way up there. You know, I know uh, it, it's it's kind of it. Not everybody would would travel that far uh, to get a chance to spend a weekend w- with trappers, um, and uh, and I just really appreciated that. So um, so thank you, Mr. Daniels. Uh, if you're listening, uh, you're probably not, but if someone knows John and you, and you're listening, please pass the uh, message along that we uh, send him our sincere thanks, gratitude, and excited about the future of the National Trappers Association. So, um, if you're not a member of the NTA, uh, you ought to join up and uh, support the organization. We're not all going to agree with what the NTA does. Uh, we're not all going to agree with what our state associations do, but that's not the point. The point is we're all trappers and we're trying to preserve trapping uh, as as much as we possibly can. Uh, we're all on the same team and. Uh, and we're going to have our disagreements, but overall, if we don't have organizations uh, to represent us and and organizations that have uh, a large number of members, we're not going to have any lobbying power, and we're not going to be able to uh, defend ourselves against uh, lawsuits from the anti-trapping and animal rights communities. So thanks, uh, John. Um, Another really exciting one uh, guy that drove a long ways to get there was uh, Mr. Jim Gibb from Gibb's Adventures YouTube channel. Jim Gibb uh, from North American Fur Auctions. Uh, He does a bunch of work. I think he does work there with the Wild Fur Shippers Council. And Jim writes articles for, he's a columnist for Trapper's Post magazine. Very well-known trapper. And uh, you can find him. He's he's on uh, Trapper Man quite a bit as well. And uh, that was really exciting. Uh, a little, little bit uh, intimidating, maybe. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't really intimidating. It was a little bit humbling that Jim actually sat down and listened to my 
to my Under Ice Beaver demo. I thought that was awesome. And he came and introduced himself uh, after the demo. And I was just kind of blown away. Like, you know, you read about from these guys and you watch them. And it's, you know, maybe it's guys like guys that listen to the podcast and watch my YouTube channel. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy's there in person. That's really cool. Well, for me, it w- with Jim Gibb, it was like that times times two or three. Um, you want to talk about Starstruck? The next gentleman that I got a chance to meet was was a fellow by the name of Russ Carmen. And uh, that was the first time that I'd seen Russ Carmen at a, at a convention. And if if you're not familiar with Mr. Carmen, you ought to be. He is, uh, I don't think you, anyone could argue that he's probably the best lure maker in the United States. Um, he has been an incredibly successful trapper for an incredibly long amount of time. Uh, Mr. Carmen, he must be in his 80s by now, or seven, at least 70s or 80s. And uh, he's still getting around, and he's still trapping. And he had a new book out, and I I picked up a copy of of Russ's book, and picked up some lure. He's still making lure, uh, so that was great. And and the coolest thing about it was uh, how down to earth a guy like Russ Carmen can be. And uh, I I I got a chance finally to to corner him and sit down and at his booth and talk for a while. And and man, we got to talking. He was talking about some of his best trapping experiences when he was younger. Going up, uh, I, I believe uh, he was talking about going up in the Adirondacks, and they had a camp up there, and and they were snowshoeing into the camp to uh, to trap out of, and he was talking about a bunch of beaver trapping through the ice, and uh, it it was just awesome, you know, to someone that's that's that well known and is is also that down to earth and easily approachable. So uh, I hope that uh, Mr. Carmen comes back and we get to. Uh, talk with him again uh, next year at, at the same uh, same event. Uh, also at Carmen's booth was Mr. Yates, and uh, he introduced himself. And uh, someone else had told me I ought to be talking to that gentleman because he is one heck of a trapper, and he has trapped in incredible places. He's trapped in Alaska, he's trapped uh, part other parts of the country, and he's trapped in Russia, believe it or not. So um, that's going to be a conversation that I'm excited to to talk more about. Uh, with Mr. Yates, uh, Woody Debray, the uh, the coyote trapper from New York, he de- him and his son gave a demo. His his son came along this time, and uh, they tag team on the coyote line there, and they're extremely successful. And it was great to hear them talk again. Um, uh, Bear the Bear Man, Randy Cross, gave his demo again. He's there every year, and Mr. Cross is getting close to retirement as well. Um, hopefully he'll he will be coming back and, and continuing to do demos in the future. He's a, a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of information. Um, any of you guys that are bear trappers, the uh, there there's a, a new legal bear trap that's legal to use in Maine that's been patented and designed. It's called the uh, Critter Dunn, and it's a gentleman out of Pennsylvania who who developed this thing. Uh, unbelievable the amount of time and money that he has tied up into this thing. He's got a patent on it. He's got a bunch of manufacturing costs. He's he's uh, probably in the neighborhood of like uh, close to two hundred thousand dollars invested in this thing. Kind of a life savings, uh, life work kind of thing. And, and he's just a real big time dedicated bear trapper, and wanted to make this this new trap. Um, it's as far as I can tell, if the bear is going to stick his foot in there and try to get the bait, it's pretty much foolproof. Um, it's a it's a very expensive trap. It's uh, between it's three hundred and something dollars, but it is uh, it's pretty revolutionary. Um, it's 
it's now perfectly legal to use in Maine and extremely effective. So uh, a lot of people, there were a lot of those sold over the weekend. A lot of people were really interested in talking a lot about them and uh, picking them up for the upcoming bear trapping season. He's also developing a, a larger model. I think he's already developed a larger prototype for grizzly trapping uh, up in Canada and Alaska. And uh, I believe there's going to be some some demand for, for those as well. So um, keep an eye on that if you're into bear trapping. Now this one came completely out of nowhere. Um, right in the middle of the, the conventions and the demos, Neil gave an announcement that there was going to be some people setting up a booth and they had a bunch of historic uh, things uh, and art, historic pictures and magazines and, and a bunch of memorabilia memorabilia from Walter Arnold, the famous uh, main trapper, uh, fur fishing game author, uh, book author, lure maker, trap and supply dealer, the Walter Arnold, the dude that I'm writing a book on. Um, this came as a shock to me, and uh, the reason for that is they're they're kind of uh, the general trapping public, like like uh, you and I and, and local trappers in Maine who knew about Walter Arnold, and generally the people who were really into it, like myself, knew that Walter Arnold's uh, he Walter Arnold donated all of his. Uh, historic writings um, and any documentation and, and correspondence and everything to the Fogler Library at the University of Maine. And uh, that was all, he put that all together, organized it, cataloged it, and uh, and gave about seven boxes full of stuff to, uh, to the university. Nobody was really aware that there was much else that existed out there. Um, except for a few close friends and family members um, that, that knew Walter Arnold very well. So there was a gentleman um, by the name of Wendell Shaw. And Wendell Shaw has, there's a box of Wendell Shaw papers at the UMO library as well. And I, when I did my research this winter, I went through Walter Arnold stuff. I also went through the Wendell Shaw collection. And there wasn't as much, but there was a bunch of correspondence and letters to and from Arnold uh, uh, that Wendell had collected. Apparently, Wendell's uh, family had a bunch of other stuff, uh, belongings of Walter Arnold's that no one was really that aware of. And I want to say this woman that showed up at uh, the convention, uh, I I may be wrong, but I want to say she was Wendell's granddaughter and her mother uh, was was good friends with Walter Arnold and the Arnold family and there was a bunch of family connections there and and uh, and so her mother was really uh, adamant on saving this stuff and ma- in, in understanding of the historical importance of a bunch of this stuff and so uh, Wendell passed away and the there was, I guess, I'm just going off secondhand off talking to this uh, lady. There was some discussion about what to do with all of Walter Arnold's old stuff, and I think Wendell had a bunch of it, or the family had a bunch of it. And uh, this young lady, uh, being, I believe, his granddaughter, had an interest in the historical significance of this stuff. Now, she's not a trapper. She has no background in trapping. 
but she knew how famous Walter was and and she wanted to make sure it was preserved. So basically she they said, "All right, you can have it." And she inherited all of these uh belongings of Walter Arnold's. So she didn't really know much. She ran into another lady uh who who knew about the, you know, the Trapper's Weekend and said, "You ought to you ought to come by and bring some stuff by." And she just brought a few things. She wasn't really sure. She thought, "Yeah, maybe someone will be interested." And and people just flocked to her their little table that where she had a she had an album with a bunch of pictures and photos and uh a few old catalogs and and it was it was incredible and she was so overwhelmed with the interest um and and the enthusiasm of people about Walter Arnold she couldn't believe it cuz she thought it was just a close family thing and she didn't realize that there was this whole trapping community that was kind of obsessed with Walter Arnold. And one of the guys that was there was saying like, he lived the life that we all dream of. He was one of the last guys, if not the last guy that was out there, he was the last in Maine, that was out there in the middle of the woods trapping. And that's what he did. And and he, he was essentially the last, uh, if you will, quote unquote, mountain man in the Northeast. So, so she was overwhelmed and she couldn't believe it. She said, I should have brought more stuff. I can't, I'm amazed. And of course there were collectors there that, that were really pushing, wanting to buy her whole collection. And you, you have a lot of money's worth of stuff there. And, and, uh, it really pushing hard, pushing hard to, uh, to get her to sell stuff. Um, and, and I, I get a chance to talk with her. Uh, it sounds like she may be writing a book, um, which is really awesome about, uh, uh, it w- it wouldn't be you know the book that I'm working on is Walter Arnold's writings uh, as a trapper and for trappers. The book that she would be working on is more of Walter Arnold's personal life story, um, sort of a a biography, if you will, because she has a lot of uh, a lot of inside information, family stuff, and and uh, knows a lot of things that that others uh, uh, aren't necessarily, don't necessarily know about about Walter Arnold and his his past and history and and his life uh, in the woods. So if she does end up doing that, that would be a pretty awesome book. And, and uh, we shared, we swapped uh, contact information and I really hope that um, we can catch up. And, and uh, like I told her, I said, listen, I, I don't want to buy anything. I'm not interested in, in any of that. Um, I, I just want to share information and, and I would love to know more um, and get a chance to kind of look at things that you have and just, just see more of it, see more of the history. So uh, that that was really awesome. I, it was it was a real it was just a big surprise and, and a real pleasant surprise. Uh, one more I forgot was Billy Thompson gave a demo. So Billy is a, a old trapper um, from Maine, and he trapped with Neil Olson for a long time. Trap has trapped with other people. He's a guy that comes up to my area every spring and traps beaver. Uh, he'll he'll catch between 100 and 300 beaver in the spring. Uh, in about a week and a half, two week period. And, and he, he's one heck of a trapper and he's one heck of a fun guy to be around and talk with. So, uh, uh Billy's a unique character and he, his first half of his demo, he basically just, uh, w- told funny stories about trapping with Neil. <laughs> and, uh, the, the, you know, one of the stories of course surrounded the time that Billy and Neil, caught 176 beavers in I want to say six days um, somewhere around around that number uh, pretty incredible story and uh, it was great to to hear him tell that to 
to people uh, at the convention. And then he went out to the water and he did a water trapping demo on on how he uh, traps. He he's a guy that uh, uses exclusively TS eighty fives on beaver in the springtime, uh, caster mound type sets, and uh, very very effective trapper. Always pick up uh, quite a few things when I'm talking with Billy and. And I like the fact that he is, he's got to be in his 70s at least, and and he is still enthusiastic about trapping, still looking to learn new things, still trying new traps and new designs and new methods, and and just constantly, constantly um, growing as a trapper. So it's great to have guys like that. And Billy is on my hit list for an interview at some point, if, if he'll agree to do it. Now, finally, uh, my demo. So, <laughs> uh, I gave a demo on under ice beaver trapping on Friday, Friday afternoon. It was the last demo of the day, and I was extremely nervous pretty much the whole day <laughs> about the demo. And it's kind of funny because I, I don't, I, I can speak in public. I've done a lot of public speaking, and you know, my my day job, I do, I do a whole lot of that, and I'm not. I'm not uncomfortable with it and I've learned to become, you know, to speak loudly and clearly and, and articulate myself and uh, I, I've 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 done that, but I've never given a demo on beaver trapping. And I've never given a demo to other trappers, half of which probably have more beaver under their belt than I do. So so that was a little bit intimidating to me. And uh, I got there and and set things up and there was it was pretty lightly attended, so so of course no one knew who I was, and I'd never given a demo before, uh, so I didn't expect much of an audience. I think uh, at least half of them were podcast listeners. <laughs> um, there were I don't know there were probably about thirty people there. Cole actually recorded the thing, so you maybe get a get a handle on the size of the audience and audience interaction based on that. Um, I don't know how well the the recording's going to come out, but if it comes out well, uh, I'm going to probably put it up on YouTube. So uh, if it doesn't, I just won't, and and uh, we'll try again next year. But it was it was great. You know, it was a good audience. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I I think I, I definitely got uh, uh, stopped up a few times, just kind of lost my train of thought on some things and skipped over a few things, and um, and and maybe didn't explain some things as well as I should have. But that a lot of that came out in the question and answer period, and I was able to uh, to do some of that and and kind of uh, hash some of those uh, aspects of the demo uh, out at that time. There were there were a couple of guys that you know there was one guy that kept asking questions that was you know uh, I don't know an older guy that maybe I don't know if he uh, felt that I probably was too young to be given that demo, but I was very clear that listen this is the way I do it and. And I've picked these things up from other people, and and I'm not saying that that I know any more than anybody else in this crowd. Um, I'm just uh, I'm just showing you you know what I've learned, and I hope you pick up a few things, and and if not, then great. So uh, so yeah, there was in general it was really well received and had a lot of good feedback and a lot of great questions. So I really enjoyed it. I was I was happy and excited about it uh, when it when it was done. <laughs> less nervous at the end the cool thing was like i was at first i was like man no one's I, I i said who's trapped beaver through the ice before and half the hands at least half the hands in the audience went up maybe more than half and i was like oh great 
what am I going to teach these people that there's no, I have nothing new. I have nothing new. And so, uh, and, and Terry Newton, an old timer had given an under a demo. He gave one under ice set during his beaver demo, uh, earlier that day. And so it was, uh, you know, it was a foothold baited foothold set. So I had a baited foothold set, but I only spent about five, 10 minutes on it. And uh, I spent more time on the things that he didn't talk about, like uh, like the blind sets and the and the snares. So uh, one of the cool things, though, was I, I was I, I I was showing the A-frame set, which is just a simple uh, a simple A-frame setup that you make with two poles, um, a wire across the two poles uh, at the bottom. Uh, shortly above that, those poles are run through the uh, springs on a 330 body grip trap. And the poles are squeezed together at the top and wired. The tops are wired together to make an A-frame that is squeezed tight against the trap. And it, it uh, anchors the trap real solid against those two poles. And you can stick that in the mud in a run and uh, and it's not moving. And and I went through it pretty quick because I thought this is, uh, uh, this is a no-brainer. And um, it's nothing that these guys don't already know. And I actually had three people at the end of the demo say, Hey, that A-frame set, that was really cool. I never really thought of that. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I didn't either. Kyle Cotts uh, showed me it uh, when I read his uh, open his uh, beaver trapping book. Uh, <laughs> I think it was beaver trapping made simple. So things like that. That it's like you know, Eric Martin said he he we were talking. He said you know nothing I have in trapping is original. It's all stuff. It's none of it's an original idea I came up with. It's all stuff I picked up from other people along the way. Um, and and for the most part, most of what we do is not original. So. Um, it's great though that we can share it with other people. So I thought the demo went awesome. Uh, Eric, I'm gonna, let me try to, uh, I, toward the end, I didn't really say much about myself, uh, as far as the, you know, the website and podcasts and, and, uh, YouTube and all that stuff. But, uh, toward the end, we're going through, we're pretty much done all the questions and, and Eric in his booming, uh, main accent and voice said, plug your podcast, plug your podcast. So I said, <laughs> all right, I better plug my podcast. So I, I just said, yeah, I do, you know, I do a weekly podcast and, uh, and trapping today. You can find that and, and hope you guys listen in. So maybe a few other people, uh, will, will start tuning in uh, as a result of that. If so, that's great. Uh, I'm excited to have more of you listening in. So I think that's going to wrap it up, um, for tonight's episode. Uh, oh, a couple of other things I should check in with you on real quick. Um, the experimental lure that I made last year that has been aging for quite some time and, and is ready to go. I had a couple of you email me about testing that out on your uh, Predator line. And uh, I'm going to send, when I start bottling that up here in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to send you guys uh, free ounce of that stuff to try it out and just give me some feedback and, and let me know what you think. Anyone else wants to try that, let me know. Um, and uh, the Canine Extreme Junior Traps from No BS Lures, I wanted to give you a quick update on those. Um, I I want to say hit the pause button. If you haven't ordered them yet and you're still and you're considering it and you're on the fence, I would hit the pause button and slow down just a little bit. They're an awesome, awesome trap, but uh, I'm having some serious problems with pan tension um, on those and getting the pan tension down where I want it to be. Uh, also, another listener, we've been emailing back and forth over the weekend, and uh, he uh, he listened, uh, he saw 
the YouTube video and listened to the podcast and where I, I described those traps and he ordered some um, to try them out and he was so frustrated with the pan tension issue and spend a heck of a lot of time filing down things and trying to get it get it right and he couldn't get it right he uh, he actually just threw them up on Trapper Man on the trap shed to for sale not even used uh, he was just so frustrated with that so so I have you know I've done some filing I got one down to four pounds um, that's the lowest I could get it with the file um, the rest of them are just bottom out the pan tension tester um, and they're way over five pounds there's just and 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 I can't and that's with the the pan completely loose there's absolutely no pressure on the pan in in place that's a loose pan when the trap is set it's it's over five pounds so if I got some bowstring wax I've heard people have had success using that so I'm going to try that and I'm also I'm going to try brushing and smoothing down uh, the coating that that coating that that comes with the traps I'm going to brush a bunch of that down on the pan catch and those and then I'm going to see what I can get the pan tension to if I can get it to a pretty manageable level then uh, then I'm going to recommend this trap because it's a one heck of a trap and I think uh, you know some people have given Kendall some feedback on that and I don't really know whether he has any uh, interest in fixing that problem personally I would pay a couple of bucks I was out of the box ready to go like the MB550 is um, it pretty much is ready to go except for the pan tension but that's a big except because uh, I, I really pay when you pay that price point you really want to have something you're paying for that convenience of ready to go out of the box um, otherwise a lot of guys would just buy some dukes and spend 20 30 minutes 40 minutes on a trap and just make all the adjustments so um, I, I hope if you do have that issue please contact Kendall at no BS lures uh, I'm going to just give him a heads up where I'm at with it um, if you're on the fence, I, I'd maybe hold off. If I figure this out and it's not that hard, uh, I'm going to post a YouTube video and I'll talk about it on the podcast and let you know uh, about how to the best, easiest way to get that pan tension down. If I can't figure it out, I'll probably throw mine up on the trap shed too and uh, I shall uh, buy more MB550s. But we'll see where that goes. I, I, I'm willing to give it an extra effort and see if I can get those figured out. And with that, thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. Uh, check out my book, Fur Profit, A Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market, if you haven't picked that up yet. I'm starting to sell some lure. Just sold a couple more bottles on eBay. Thank you, guys, for uh, for making those purchases. Um, you can get that lure in two places, in two places only, the Trapping Today Long Distance Call Lure. Uh, you can get it on eBay. You can get it on trappingtoday.com. So please pick that up, uh, $25 free shipping for a 4-ounce bottle. Very, very good call lure, and I am going to be making and bottling some of that sweet early season predator lure uh, for you guys, and that's going to work for pretty much everything that's interested in something sweet. It's just a little change-up to have uh, on the predator line. That's what I'm using it for. And uh, I've, I think I had two people mention it at, at uh, Neil Olson's that uh, they they were interested in maybe trying some of that so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that bottled up and I'll let you know I'll, I'll put it up on the website for sale and and uh, go from there and thank you so much for tuning in guys thanks so much for all the guys that uh, I ran into at Olson Trappers weekend uh, the support is overwhelming 
and I appreciate it so much. Guys posting up on Trapper Man, plugging the podcast, posting about my demo. Man, I, I just uh, am extremely, extremely humbled. Makes me want to work even harder to get this podcast out uh, for you guys. And uh, man, we're we're a trapping community. We're building we're building one heck of a trapping community, uh, guys that um, that all are like minded and and enthusiastic and ready to go. So keep on thinking trapping, keep on talking trapping, get together with some other guys and get into trapping um, and get ready for the season. It's coming. It's coming. We will catch you on the next episode.